Well, Jen, yesterday was election day. We're we're recording this in the past, everyone. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think it's probably very likely that we don't know the outcomes of some races. So just calm down, everybody. What and is with that now, America. Like we just it's we're just in a constant state of waiting. Terrible. That's, yeah. Anyway. Thanks everyone for voting if you voted. Thanks everyone for phone banking if you phone banked. Yep. We had our final phone bank on Saturday. It was John Fetterman. If there are runoffs, we're going to be phone banking again. Just know. Oh, yeah, we are. Look at Jen committing us already to this long haul of saving the world. This is what, we're, this is what um, we do now. Listen, you guys, we <laughs> will have probably posted to our Twitter slash Instagram feed the, the, the races that we participated in where we won, and we hopefully won all of them. I'm putting it into the universe, Jen. I like it. I was in LA this uh, this weekend and or this week this past week and there is a lot of magic in LA. A lot of crystals, a lot of yes. candles, a lot of people just doing doing the new age bullshit. Well, <laughs> and I was like, "Give me that crystal." I bought a bunch of crystals. <laughs> I was like, "Look, you can't win if you don't play." That's true. <laughs> so it's here like we are. the new age lottery. Yeah, I'm like lining up my rocks. <laughs> amazing. That's Listen, amazing. if you're out there and something is, and you think there is a thing that I should, you know, play in case it will make me win, I've, you know, I'm into it. So last week, we, I, um, Mr. Reed's Romance was out of town visiting Little Romance in Connecticut, and I was by myself, and I invited some of my friends over, and I had, like, 10 women come over, and it was super fun, but, like, by far one of the best parts of the event, like, just, and, like, it was, like, enough to, like, kind of talk with new people and be, like, mingling around my house, but at one point, Hannah Ernest, who wrote um, one of our best of 2021 books, um, was talking to my friend Stacy from the neighborhood and essentially was telling her about the CoStar app. Like they talked up, started talking about astrology. Yes. <laughs> and it was like this amazing moment where I was like, all oh, my worlds are colliding and we're, it's all going to be on the CoStar app. <laughs> Listen, I think this is great. I will say that the 42 year old in me is like, is this just trying to harvest my information? Probably, but you know. <laughs> Pick Listen, your poison, so everybody. is everyone else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least you get a little joy out of it. Exactly. Fine. Choose the billionaire you'd like to have all your information. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's like, which one? Uh, it's full Scorpio season, though, right now. It and is. Jen, as you all know. This is, is my time to true come. Scorpio. I saw this great meme yesterday that said, <laughs> people, <laughs> you're quiet today. And then it said, Scorpio, you don't plan a murder out loud. <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, look, that's on brand. The one that I saw, maybe like you sent it to me, was the one where it was like playing Uno. And it was like, you know, like forgiving your work enemy. Right? Scorpio's like, yeah. 20. <laughs> that's part of your charm. Thank you. Also, deeply loyal to your work friends. So, yes. as I can confirm. Absolutely. Uh, this is Faded Mates, everyone. Welcome to our little fun. Re- podcast that comes out every Wednesday about romance novels. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. I'm also Sagittarius. I'm Jennifer Prokop. It's Scorpio season. My time has come. I'm a romance reader and editor. Send me your books during Scorpio season. You're going to get the full unvarnished truth. Oh boy. (laughs) Apologies in advance. That's what you should say like immediately when you receive the manuscript. You should just be like, just FYI, I can hold this till Sagittarius even. (laughs) When everything is fun and, you know, everybody's a Labrador retriever. Absolutely. 
<laughs> but I think this book is kind of on brand for Scorpio season. I absolutely do. So we are reading Hold by Claire Kent, which was published in 2016. Was that it? I looked it up, but I can't remember. I don't know. It feels like I was very young when I read this first. Um, It's long enough ago that uh, it was written in third person. <laughs> if it was written now, it would definitely be in first person. Yeah, it would, because there's no POV from the hero. Right. Um, and Claire Kent, when she is, also writes as Noelle Adams. And her Noelle Adams books are in first person present, so... Um, well, let me tell you, if you have not experienced hold, boy, is this going to be a ride for you. It is the first, I remember, sorry, everybody, 2015, yeah, 2015. Um, I remember how I heard of it. I got an emergency call on the bat phone (laughs) from Sophie Jordan, (laughs) who literally, I remember answering the phone and her being like, I cannot. I, I've read this book. It has changed my life. And yeah. I was like, surely not. What could it possibly be? And it was Claire Kent's hold. And she, Sophie said to me, it's set on a prison planet. And I said, what now? Because it had never occurred to me that you could set a romance novel on a prison planet, though of course you can. Sure. And I don't know that it is the first, but it certainly is my first prison yes, planet book. Yes, for sure. And... The premise is startling. Essentially, it's set in a distant future where, you know, there are many different planets, although no reference to aliens at all. No, like, not at all. So mm-hmm. it's like humans have just, like, colonized right. the, the universe. And Earth, it, like, the reference to Earth is basically, like, now it's just destroyed. It's like a burned out city. Husk. Yeah. It's very Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And um, now when you do basically anything wrong in the context coalition. of this, like, right. planetary coalition, um, there's not even – there are no, like – there's no, like, small, small no. law-breaking. It's all law, large law-breaking. And you go immediately, do not pass go, no return possible to a prison planet to live out your days. However – long or short they may be. Right. And uh, you're sort of led to believe that there are multiple prison prison planets and that this one that our heroine is going to, uh, Rihanna, is going to is, like, not the worst. Sure. Just the closest. But also it seems like what could be, how does it get worse than this? But let's not, let's not dig too deep into that. Well, Okay, so let's describe the actual prison part of the planet, and then... Well, I think you should just do the beginning. Just that first chapter. So Rihanna arrived. Rihanna has, like, she's an archaeologist who accidentally dug... Somewhere she wasn't supposed to be digging. In, like, the gardens of an imperial palace where she did not have permission to dig. Like, this is, like, not a thing. You would think that she could just be like, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. Right, doesn't matter. Once you get into this, yeah. There's no, like justice is just go to this planet, which actually I think is really interesting because, like, is there really justice in American prisons? Then maybe we can hold this part. Yeah, maybe we don't start with abolition. Let's not start with abolition. But I definitely found myself thinking about it as we were. We'll put, it in, put a pin in that. So Rihanna essentially is arriving at the prison planet. She has uh, been 
gone through the intake process. And basically this prison planet is a, like a methane ocean or something, a poison ocean. And then underneath the ocean, there is a big box, right? The hold that is where they are like dropped off. And there's a control room where the guards sit. But basically the way it works is you get dropped into the hold you they've dropped food in once a day there is there aren't there was like a cell block but it's mostly been like decommissioned they're kind of you you know there aren't doors on it basically like once you're dropped in there that's that and once a year they will like do a check like a wellness check essentially on each prisoner um but like once you're in there you're in there and you never to come out yeah it's like a life sentence in this thing. And Davis, who is the guard she interacts with, the other guard's like, whoo let's give her a test run before we throw her in there because they know what her future yeah. will be like. Uh, wait, pause. Content yeah. warnings for everything. Yes, absolutely. And this is not one of those, like, cute, like, when an author writes a cute, like, content warnings for everything thing at the beginning of a book. Literally, no. you guys, content warnings for everything. Yeah, so absolutely. if there is anything that really deeply troubles you, it's probably happening in this book. Uh, head over to Goodreads and check everything. But also content warnings for this show because... Yeah, right. We're going to be talking about what happens. And also probably headphones in, obviously. I mean, the second we say Prison Planet, really, anytime on Fated Mates, let's make that a rule. Headphones in. (laughs) So (laughs) Davis kind of whispers in her ear his advice for how she's going to survive. Which is also the first line of the book, by the way. Yes. Find the strongest man there. Give yourself to him in return for protection. It's the only way you'll ever survive. And then this Davis guy does a little bit of a, like, a flyby. It's, like, the only kind, the last kindness she'll get. Yes. Like, he, instead of dropping her into it with no sense of, like, the geography of the space. Or, like, who that might be. And and so, at, at this moment, she sees a few things. She sees the man that clearly Davis thinks is the strongest, this man, Thorne who lives, has, like, a, his own cell, and it's clear that he has some women that are, like, in service to him. Um, so he already has, like, established himself, I guess, as the most powerful man there. But then she also spies a man who is by himself in a cell that does have a door. That has a door. That has and a door. a toilet. And a toilet. And so when she gets dumped out into the middle of this spot, there's another convict with her who immediately tries to, like, manhandle her, and she just kicks the guy. And this other guy comes up, and she makes eye contact with the guy in the cell. Like, essentially, Thorn and this other, like, bad guy come out and are sort of going to tussle over her. Ash, Ash, right? And Thorn essentially is like, well, you can go with him or you can come with me. Those are your choices. And she thinks this guy in the cell is going to be choice number three. She makes eye contact with him, but he does not appear to react. And she is so scared, furious, pissed, terrified, every negative emotion you could possibly have at that moment, that she essentially tells both of them off. And Thorne's like, well, there is option number three, which is a I'll leave you. Ha- yeah, I'll leave you to it. I'll have you first and then throw you back out to them. Right, and you won't last the night. Right. Now, as a reader at this point, you're like, <laughs> what is happening? How is this a romance novel This exactly? feels like Happily Ever After is impossible immediately. Yes. I mean, like, I want to talk about conflict 
because not I don't just want to talk about conflict. I also want to talk about why can't they be together right now, which you all know is like my biggest question. Yeah. Um, because there is, and and we'll get to it, but like as a reader in this moment, you are three pages into this book and you are like, there is no there's, there's no, no way escape. They were like they are beneath an, a methane ocean. They have what Jen has skipped over and elided during this description is literally everything else that is happening on this, like in this hold, which is yeah. every terrible thing you can imagine. Sure. And now this kind of sense of like, whatever is going to happen here in this place is forced. Yes. So what is, ha- like, what is going on? But Sophie Jordan told me it was going to be amazing. And we are now telling you yeah, it's going to be, be amazing. amazing. You know, it's funny because I looked back at what I bought this. I think I must have bought this from like a book bub email. It was like I bought it for zero, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's on Kindle Unlimited. And I pretty, I'm sure I read it right away. But when like did this, you get it? 2017. Okay, so later. Yeah, I mean, but like not that much later, but like before you and I met, it wasn't a book you told me about. It was a book I, at some point, I think you and I were like, we both read this amazing book. Holy shit. And it is every once in a while I will get on Twitter after reading something and be like, you guys, I read this incredible book that just like changed the way I think about romance. In fact, it's sort of a surprise to me that this book didn't come up during season two when we were talking about all those, like the books that blooded right, us. Because I think of old as being one of those books that like truly makes me think about like how a romance can be structured in literally any scenario. Yes. And... I'm sure I talked about it on Twitter. I'm fascinated by it, too. Like, you and I have talked before about how people do not, I think, use setting enough in romance. Mm. World building. Like, yeah, the space as a character. Yeah. And this is a real masterclass in, I mean, and this is the part I was thinking about, like, abolitionism, right? Like, Claire Kent, although I think it, (laughs) like, my thing is, like, okay, so... Every sentence is the same. You just get caught. You get sent to the prison planet. It is ruthless and terrible and, like, nothing. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's a pretty good metaphor for the American justice system, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also clear that she was Which not Which you all- also don't escape. Sorry yeah. to be an abolitionist here, but, like, even right. when you're out of it, you're still in it. And I think in some ways it's, like— also, it was also clear to me, though, that she was not really interested in any of that lead up. It was all like, how, what happens once she's dropped into the hold? I will say this, because the lead up is there is no such thing as justice. Like, there right. is no, oops, you accidentally dug a hole or mm-hmm. you, like, intentionally murdered 83 people. Like, there's that's the same. Yeah. You're just a victim. You are at the mercy of this unfair system. Right. That's you're a it. kid who was caught smoking pot on a street corner. You're a serial right. killer. It's the same. Same. Right. And you know what? <laughs> like, again, very true of the American justice system. Yes. So, especially exactly. if you're black, right? Now, the characters in this book are nothing, right? Like, it's just, well, I guess. Yeah, there's no, he's dark skin. He's yeah. not dark skin, but he olive is. Olive skinned. He's yeah. olive skinned. But I mean, these are, this is, the fight here is to just be human. Right? This is, like, the thing. is like, they are putting us in a situation where we are going to revert back to our most animal selves. And the fight here is to retain any semblance of humanity. Yes. Right? And that's it. It is stripped down. 
And and I think I was thinking a lot about this in comparison to say like Ruby Dixon's Ice Planet Barbarians, right? Which is a warm, fuzzy blanket alien planet compared to what Hold is. And I think that's why it's smart that there's no aliens because it's like hammering home again. Like the enemy is us. Like we are whatever humanity can think up to do to other humans. You don't need aliens or bad guys. We're it. Also, like, written in 2015, but in 2022, has a real powerful uh, shadow or echo, right? Because yes. the other piece of it is, and the, the question, as you said, and the question that uh, Kane, the, the hero's yes. question the whole time, is how can I remain human, mm-hmm. right? In this place that has turned us all into animals. Yeah. And I think, like... There is a real sense what I think what is happening, the underlying theme of this book seems to be in a lot of ways what we are all grappling with right now, which is like, how can we be human during this like time that is scary and unknown and with a future that we can't predict? Right. And we need humanity now more than ever, and inside that hold, humanity's punished. Right. Right. So there is no kindness. Literally, the kindness is, I'll drive you around once. Yeah. And right. that's it. And I'll prevent these other guards from raping you. Right. Right? I will. I, and and he's not necessarily doing, he's a, there's like, well, and that's because he's a rule follower. Right? Yeah, it's, it's not because he cares about her. No, it's like that's against the rules, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna drop you in here. Yeah, it's like she caught him on a good day. Yeah, you get the vibe that this guy might might not have driven everyone around. Like that's not right. a kindness he gives to everyone. Well, and I think that this to me too. The other thing I'm sure that you're gonna say is this is like pure patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Like the what is the role of women in this world? You have one. Mm-hmm. Right? You are there. One way to survive, yeah. Yeah, right. You're there because... But also, she makes it really clear, and actually, so there's, I mean, we're sort of bouncing all over the place, but there is a third character who is important to this book, right? Yeah. So it, what ends up happening is, um, we'll come back to Kane and Rihanna and, you know, their relationship, but for the lion's share of the book, for, I mean, it's not a real, it's not a book, it's a novella. It's a novella. It's very short. Um, but for the lion's share of it, it's the two of them together in the cell, right? Mm-hmm. Like what they leave and they walk around and, you know, there are other people like kind of bouncing up against them like pinballs, but like it's yeah. really the two of them against the world. And then a third character arrives, um, Hall. So in Hall, Hall in his book talks about the fact that down in the hold, it is about brute strength, too, right? Hall yeah. is incredibly clever. And not just clever, he also is, he can manipulate people's minds, which is the only way that he remains right. safe and un, unharmed uh, in in this space. But he talks in his book about how fundamentally when we are brought to animal, right, to that yeah. level, when we are forced into animal, there is no, your brain means nothing. It is brute strength, force, and that is it. Yeah. 
Um, And I think that's really interesting because maybe in, like, uh, and that is maybe in a book where it's them against the universe, right? No, No patriarchy. You had been talking about patriarchy. Oh, right. Um, Of course. (laughs) And if there is no patriarchy that is able to exert pressure from outside, right, there's still the coalition, there's still the laws, there's still the rules, they're still trapped in this place by a society, a patriarchal society. If that society doesn't exist, then maybe cleverness would matter, maybe skill would matter, maybe talent would matter. But, like, in this particular place, stripped of all of the things that make us human— right? Cleverness, skill, talent, you know, whatever, humor, all those things. There is only strength. Yeah. Which is a terrifying, like, it's a terrifying proposition. And Claire Kent has really given us, what she does so well in that first, like, two chapters is establish, like, there really is no choice. There is no, it's not like you could be, you know, Rihanna's very smart. Like, right. It doesn't matter. There's one path. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Meet Cute Bookshop, a new romance-friendly bookstore in San Diego, California. Romance world domination will be ours, everybody. And if your podcast app supports chapter art, go ahead and look down right now, and you will see how cute and adorable this shop looks, both from the outside and the inside. There's a mural. They have a Romance Landia mural that's like, go to their Instagram at Meet Cute Bookshop, and you can see the painter making all of these trope-friendly letters. It's adorable. I'm going to go in with my little Sharpie and, like, draw us in. I'm not. I'm everybody. I'm just kidding. Okay. But you can follow their Instagram. That's Meet Cute Bookshop to see all like the amazing way that the store looks. They have so much cool stuff, everybody. Mystery books, tax, surprise care packages. I'm going to send myself one. Romance paraphernalia like shirts and stickers and candles. Great book events, both live and in person, featuring lots of faded mates faves. Also, because they are romance lovers in a romance lover's paradise. They have great curated book lists all online, book lists for uh, romance with ace characters, romance written by indigenous authors, romance with trans main characters, Hanukkah romances, Taylor Swift pairings for those of you out there who've gone gaga for midnight, and just for this episode, because they knew they were sponsoring the whole episode, they've put together an entire list of space romances. We'll put links to that particular list in show notes so that you can enjoy it too. And of course, don't be jealous, Sarah, but I'll be in the San Diego area over Christmas and I'm going to be able to see it. I want to go. I am really excited. So thanks to the Meet Cute Bookshop for just for being itself. We want more like this, please. And thank you to Meet Cute for sponsoring this week's episode. Okay, so go ahead. Plot. So Kane comes along and saves her, right? They go back to the his cell. There's one key and he locks the door and and they have sex. And it's really interesting because she, at this point, is like, I know the deal I made. This is all like, like uh, they just looked at each other, right? And mm-hmm. she's like, I know what I'm essentially promising. And so they have they have sex. And he, like, tries to make it good for her. And um, 
And it's like a really interesting scene of, because of course, I think, like I joked about it earlier, I'm not sure if it was before we were recording or not about if somebody wrote this now would be in first person. But I think the third person's really necessary here because it gives us like that a little bit of distance from what she's going through. I'm not sure I could read this in first person, right? Like that emotional distance I needed to sort of like have it like have it be a step back. Mm, I think that's a great point. You know, I I would I think it would be too raw in first person. It would be too hard for me to read. That the way you would have to really write through what that experience would be like would be very different. Um and so then, like, they have sex, and she, and he's kind of apologizing. Like, I did, you know, he tried to take care of her, but, you know, he, like, spits on his hand so he can, like, he knows she's not wet enough. And um, then when it's over, she's kind of like, okay, I'm in bed with him. Should I get on the floor? Like, what, what now? What's my place? What's my place here? And that becomes sort of a the other thing that's really interesting to me about this book is, so she figures that her place is, like, to not annoy him, to be a good companion, like, sort of, like, by following his, like, what she thinks are his signals, to, right, like, not really ask for anything herself. Like, so the next morning, he, for example, he goes out to get food. Well, she tries to get out of bed, and he's like, no, stay in bed. But he's like, you do, the floor is, it's gross, but you get on the inside because I don't like to feel trapped in, like, you know, like trapped in here. And she's like, we're in the prison planet. What does that even mean? But like the next morning when he goes out to like the scrum to get food, you know, he comes back with like one bowl and she thinks it's okay. I don't need food, right? Like I can't go out there and get it myself. And he then he, like, pr- you know, produces another bowl, and he's essentially just going to, like, move the food from one to another. And th- it's fascinating because I think about all the ways in which women, like, make themselves smaller. Mm-hmm. Right? And and she keeps doing this. And at one point, she actually wants to, like, sort of say something to him. She starts saying whatever it is, and she pulls back. And he's like, why do you do that? Why are you always pulling back? And it's, like, these assumptions we make about how we survive in the world of men mm-hmm. are like not true of him at all. Yes. So obviously, okay. For this to be a happily ever after, they cannot stay on the prison planet. <laughs> no. right? right. Like, I mean, we know this to be true that we can't see how this is how it's ever going to possibly work out. Um, the, he, it, it becomes very clear very quickly that he's working on some kind of machine. What I love about this machine is it totally doesn't matter what it does. Nope. Like exactly. I what it's it's really remarkable in the sense that um it really shows where romance what romance does versus what other other like genres do. If this were a thriller or a mystery or like a sci-fi novel, we would have to know the inner workings of this machine. We don't. Yes, we don't. We know doesn't matter. Every day Kane takes a walk and he like scavenges for Springs and wires and gears, Forks. whatever that come from Metal. these old machines that used to come. Like it's it's all very kind of. Don't worry about that. Yeah, romance reasons. Ro- like the romance ultimate machine. romance. Ro- <laughs> if it was a romance machine, it would also be a vibrator. But fine, I accept your premise. It's a romance machine. <laughs> but Claire figured out pretty quickly this machine isn't going to be enough. Yeah. Right. So in comes Hall, 
who happens to also be magic. Right. Romance, romance side character. Sure. (laughs) What's really fascinating about this is that through the whole process, at the beginning, she's, uh, Rihanna's not sure. Like, what is this machine that he works on every day? Yeah. And then she pretty quickly, because she's not stupid, is like, oh, he's going to leave. He wants to. This is escape. Yeah. But they don't talk very much because she has, she keeps herself, he, he's a cipher. He keeps, he is silent and powerful and we don't know very much about him. In fact, we know nothing about him except his name, but like the coalition, all the guards, everybody else, nobody knows his name. He's never given his name. So she has his name right from the very start, which, of course, for romance readers is, like, the signal, right? Like he, Of course. That first night, they're laying in the pitch blackness because there is no light when it is dark, when they turn the lights off in this place. And he whispers his name to her. Like, oh, listen. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about that this week. Uh, like, when Roman Romans are like, say my name. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Anyway, so um, – we so she figures out pretty quickly, like, even though she doesn't they don't talk about that he she doesn't know anything about his past, she doesn't ask him any questions because she doesn't want to make him angry. Right. So for half, I would say a good half of this book, there is very little communication between them. Right. With the exception of when they have sex. Yes. It's great, right? So, but then she figures it out. He's leaving. And yeah. there's this powerful moment where she says out loud. When you go, please don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. Because she's so afraid that he, like, she, all she is is, is just like an item. Right. And it's great. It's so well written because that chapter ends with don't leave me here. And then we never right. see what, we. he doesn't answer. Like, it just keeps going. I'm going to, like, pause a little bit to, like, return to something you were talking about, which is, like, in this setup, it's brute strength, right? Uh-huh. So when I was a kid, I'm going to back up for a minute. I loved this book called House of Stairs by William Slater. I checked uh-huh. it out of the library, I'm sure, 50 times and read it and reread it. I was fascinated by uh-huh. it. And in this book, the setup is um, there's this huge warehouse. These kids are essentially, like, kidnapped off the street from, like, foster care or whatever by these, like, psychologists. And they are put inside the house of stairs. And it's just literally, like, staircases and and landings in this big empty space. And the psychologists are essentially, like, we understand at the end, like, experimenting on these kids. And it's kind of like if they act certain ways, the food pellet machine will essentially give them food pellets. And there's this very, Mm. um, like, right, like, over the course of the book, this very intricate, literal dance that the kids are sort of training, trained to do with each other. Because if they don't do it the right way, like, the pellets don't come out of the machine. And I was thinking a lot about. It's so, Sarah, this book is so (laughs) fucked up, right? It is so (laughs) fucked up. And at the end, like, the end is, like, this, like, the grimmest thing I've ever seen. Like, they somehow get out, but, like, a traffic light, like, there's, like, lights and stuff that, like, they're, like, responding to. I mean, they're literally, like, Pavlov's teenagers in the House of Stairs. And they start doing the dance because they, like, literally can't stop. They've been trained to act a certain way. And I found myself really thinking about this hold in a similar way, right? Mm -hmm. So, especially when she says to him, and I think it's probably in this scene, like, I hate how we are here. 
right? I hate how how you have to live here. And I found myself thinking, like, even so even though there are no psychologists, like, this is, like, a human experiment. Like, they're together in the hole. And she's kind of, like, at one point asked him, there's, like, a little old man she calls the turtle because he just, like, creeps around. She's, like, worried he's not getting enough food. And she tells Kane, like, I'm worried the turtle isn't getting enough food. And Kane, like, helps this man eat. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, I hate how I am here, too. Like, would someone reading this or hearing this think, like, is this a proto-dark romance? And it's not. It's not because of this, right? Cain's goal, although he has, like, become king of the hold because he has his own private locked cell, has no interest in ruling this world. He just wants out of it. So although, like, what we're describing is very dark, It is not a dark romance. There is no part of him, right, that wants to rule it or have her rule it with him. No, the goal is always escape. Well, he also, I mean, like, he kills one of the most powerful men. Yeah. Proving that he could kill more than he could kill the most powerful man. Yeah. But does not because that is not his. Right. That's that's not what he wants. All he wants is to get out. Yeah. All he wants is to return to to humanity. And it's also not morality chain, which it easily could have been. Yes. What she gives you is two actually very soft characters who are forced to be hard. Yes. Because of the circumstances in which they are born, they are thrust. I just said lots of words that are great, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that was like a really interesting thing to me as I was like kind of reading it is I was like, where does this fall? Right? Like, what is this? And it's, it's not, it's just. No, it's almost Gothic. Yeah. Right. right? It's like a modern Gothic in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Like two people kind of. Trapped in the bad house. Trapped right? in the haunted house. Yeah. So I was just really fascinated by that because I found myself thinking a lot about, like, okay, like, so that book, House of Stairs, or, like, have you ever been um, to Alcatraz? Uh, No, but I have seen it in pictures. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Also in one of my very favorite movies. Yeah. Listen, Alcatraz, if you've, everybody listening, if you've never been there, is one of the, like, really, like... Like, you know how there's those touristy things? You're like, that's going to be terrible. And then you do it, and you're like, oh, no, that's fucking amazing. I've had that experience in my life twice. One was at Alcatraz, and the other was at Angel Island, where you really are like, wow, this is an amazing experience. Like, whoever put this together. And when you go to Alcatraz, I mean, like, who the fuck thought of Alcatraz? Like, what kind of monster was like, I've got an idea. Let's build this prison out on, like, a fucking... Like, overlooking San Francisco, it's wild. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, it is, it is like, the most haunted place I've ever been. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, mm-hmm. it just you just feel it. And I was thinking a lot about, like, hold is this in, I don't know, like, in terms of, like, where it falls, the way I think about it is it's clear the entire time you're reading it that Kane and Rihanna are like, this is monstrous. Everything about this Mm-hmm. No, none of this is fair or right or good. It is not worth ruling this place. It is only worth trying to leave it. Yeah. And that's how you feel when you're at Alcatraz, too. Yeah. Oh, man. 
the things we do to other people. Yeah. So uh, there is, of course, the moment in the book where I, I talked a little bit about it. Where, yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's a great, the structure of the scene is really interesting because they go for, so Rihanna and Kane go for walks every afternoon or runs every afternoon. This is when he's sort of always looking to scavenge for mm-hmm. his machine, right? And um, you sort of know there is a constant sense as both a reader, if you're an experienced reader, which all of you are, right. there is a kind of a constant sense of feeling unsettled whenever they are outside of their cage, sure. right? Their their cell has a is it locks, it has a key, and like when they are inside, they are safe. But when they are outside, anything could happen. And she gives you a few tastes of outside without there being any danger. Yeah. Like, he protects, he doesn't, I mean, his very presence protects her, right? Right. And so you're sort of lulled into this sense of, okay, it's going to be fine for the two of them to be outside. Yeah. Um, Because she never goes out there without him. But then... One day, they are out there together, and this is when there is the altercation, when she starts to protest his actions. She gets caught on something, and it tears her shirt. And so, essentially, in her clothes, she only has, like, the clothes she came in, and she's, like, trying to take care of them, but they are just becoming so threadbare that, you know, and so she's, her shirt essentially exposes her one of her breasts. And the camisole is her other piece of clothing is, like, back in the thing. And she's kind of like, fuck it, I need to go back. And he's like, why? Right? And she's like, I have a hole in my shirt. I'm not going to walk around half naked. And he says to her, like, well, what's the big deal? They've seen you naked in the cell before. They've seen you with my cock in your mouth. What's the difference? Right, because that's the other thing. Obviously, they have a cell, but anybody can look inside at any time. Well, maybe now is the time to talk about the sex because no, I want to finish this piece first. And then we'll yeah, so sex. she's just like pissed at him for not understanding the difference, right? Yeah, and so she starts to say it. Yes, and then of course that's... it's different. What the fuck do you? And she just stops herself. Yeah, and because she knows, because she's she. This is the moment where it comes to a head in the sense that every both of them realize that there is a power differential here, or realize she's known from the jump that there's a power differential here. But he has sort of lulled himself into this belief that she, that it is mutual. That is, like, there is, the power is even between them. I don't think he just fully understands how, how different her experience is in there. No, and he doesn't understand that she believes that at any point he might just throw her back into the hold like to the wolves if she doesn't please him she doesn't please him and so this happens but it doesn't happen in their private space where they are safe it happens in a space where they are naturally unsafe right and so what happens here is claire rips down the secure takes the security way in the world right Uh, structural security and then strips away their emotional barriers too, right? It's brilliant. Which, I mean, it's so smart because it's the only place this could have happened yes. and like come to exactly the right place that it needed to come to emotionally for us all to buy into this re- relationship. Because even in the back of our, our minds, we're going to talk about sex in a second, but um, 
you know, we've seen like the sex is great. They're, they care about each other. They like, they, they want to please each other. And like, that's great. That's how partnerships should be. That's how, you know, sex should be between two partners. But fundamentally at this point, we, we need to be shown too that there is something more here, that it is not simply just like he gets off on his partner coming. Right. So the, so she sort of says, I belong to you. Like, I don't talk to you because if I did and I upset you, you could throw me out. And he is so angry that she would even think this, that he like can't form a response. So what he does is he turns away from her. And at that moment. And she gets taken. Yeah. I mean, he takes his eyes off her and she's gone. Yep. By a massive dude. The one who wanted her when she first stepped off, right? Ash. And so he, and there is no, it goes from like zero to like you're over a table and I'm, and he's, you know, ripping her clothes off of her. And it reminds me a lot of the scene in The Sopranos where Dr. Melfi gets raped in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Because it's just this, like, she's just walking down the stairs and it's like, boom. And it's terrifying. And Rihanna is so terrified and so, like, unable to kind of well, even. Well, he's got know, her by the yeah, throat. That she can't make a sound. And she knows in that moment, yeah. God, again, so well done. She's petrified, and there it's so traumatic. And in that moment, all she can think is, like, he's there. Like, if she yeah. screams, he'll come. Yeah. Like, she knows in that moment, like, there is more to this. Right. But she can't call him. Yeah. And as a reader, also, I would say the reading experience of this is really amazing because the whole book is dialed up to 11 on so many different levels mm-hmm. that at this point I was like, is she going to do this? Like, is, I know. Yeah. Is Claire going to, is Claire Kent going to do this? Gonna, yeah. Um, she does not, which right. I think is a good choice. <laughs> but, right. Um, and Kane comes in and is Beats feral. him to death. I mean, yeah. he's an animal at this point, right? Right. And kills, kills her uh, attacker. Mm-hmm. Then they go back to the cell, and he's covered in blood, and it's really emotional for both yeah. of them. And they have sex, right? Like, And then he's kind of horrified that he did. You know what I mean? And she's like, no, I needed that. I needed to belong to you, right? I needed to feel that safety and security and someone that cared for me. But it, like, opens the floodgates of both, like, everything they had both been holding in, like, were, like and also changes the way I think that Rihanna thinks about her place, right? Like, it started off by saying, like, you might throw me back out at any minute. And then she realizes, no, like, whatever it is between us, he feels it too. Mm-hmm. It's really, look, I'm, I, I don't know what to tell you, except that this book is so stripped down. Talk about a machine, right? It's just like the, there is nothing soft in this book Mm -mm. at all. Nothing. You know what would have helped them, Jen? What? Microdosing. (laughs) That should have come down the chute. (laughs) Can you imagine? Talk about fighting over what comes out of the chute. My goodness. (laughs) 
This week's episode is sponsored by our old friends, Lumi Labs, creators of microdose gummies. So microdosing is not available on prison planets, but it is available (laughs) nationwide. To learn more about microdosing and THC, just do a quick online search. You can go to microdose.com and they'll talk a lot about the benefits of microdosing, which could be a creative boost, like enjoying the moment. For me, I use it a lot to like help me sleep, just pain and general anxiety. So if you do go to microdose.com and use the code FADEDMATES, you can get free shipping and 30% off of your first order. They really do taste and feel amazing. And so we just recommend that you check this out. That code again is FADEDMATES and the website is microdose.com. Links to this and all of our sponsors can always be found in show notes. And thanks to Lumi Labs for sponsoring the episode. And then we meet Hall... And Hall, uh, Hall arrives, like, dressed to the nines, incredibly mm-hmm. handsome, and somehow survives the night. And no one can, re- and she, Rihanna can't understand how. Because there is no other human connection here. Right. right. The logical thing for Claire Kane to have done here was to have Rihanna relate to another woman in the hold or, like, make mm-hmm. a friend in the right. hold. But... What's fascinating here is that that instinct would have been absolutely incorrect because there is no way out, right? So this is a bad scenario for literally everyone. And if Rihanna makes a friend, that person can't come with them when they leave. It is really, really, like you said, very stripped down, but I think such smart storytelling here so many good smart choices that could have really backed the book into a corner yeah because hall is allowed to be their friend because he has a skill that they are that they require right Right. and he knows he has this skill and rihanna suspects that he has a skill and then ultimately she says to him uh what are you and he's a reader, I think they're called. Yeah, right. Well, I think it's actually Kane who says, "What are you?" Oh, cause because he, 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 yeah, he does something, and essentially, what it is is it's like he can, he can read your emotions, but then like sort of force them back upon you. And so, and Kane like feels that he's done something. He was like, "What are you?" But like when he says, "I'm a reader," they're like, "Oh shit!" I thought that the coalition had wiped all of you out, right? right? So he's magic, he, essentially. Right. Right. Um. And so he's like, you need me. Yeah. I So I can, he's been watching them carefully. And what's fascinating is that in his book, which is release, um, she, he continues to be that sort of very keen watcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's been watching them. He's been noticing that Kane is working on a machine. Mm-hmm. And he has the sense that like, there's right. a plan afoot. Yeah. And he basically says, you're going to need me to get out of here. Like, you have to bring me in, and then you have to get me out. And then, so, and then it sort of comes to a head. The plot kind of all comes to a head here. Well, this actually might be a good place to talk about sex because. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so, <laughs> like, again, this book's really stripped down. We see the continuing evolution of their relationship during sex. And one of the things that's really interesting is, again, like, 
it's not even like voyeurism. People just watch them. And it's not sexy at all, of course, right? I was like, not, and I'm someone on record who's like, yeah, that's usually kind of sexy for me. Not at all. No, but because it's not, it's not hot people watching. Right, exactly. (laughs) And it's like, they're threatening, right? They'll like call out to her and like say, you know. And so the first night that they have sex, he essentially like shields her a little bit. But then after that, it's kind of like she understands that he cannot show any weakness, and he cannot show that he values her. That's her interpretation. And she's not wrong. And she's not wrong, right? He has to just be like, yeah, I'm, this is my thing, but, you know, it's not, like, emotional for me. And so, and she's just like, we're bored. I mean, at one point it was so funny. She's like, you know, like, that's like, there's this, like, they have sex sometimes three or four times a day, because what else are they going to do? Mm-hmm. He has this hour, too, that, he, you know, they exercise to stay strong. He goes out on his run. She cannot run as long, so then he drops her back off. There's, like, the eating time. There's the tinkering of the machine time. There's fucking time. Mm-hmm. And she gets off well, on she it, She says too. that at once at, yeah. at some point, too. Early days, morning one. She's like, yeah. what do we do? And he's like, nothing. This is nothing. what we do. This is what we do. Yeah. And then, again, he's like, we're animals. Like, we're... They yeah. don't want us to have... There's no books, right? There's no... Right. <laughs> nothing to keep us busy. Mm-mm. It's like we kill each other. We f- People yeah, rape each and other. and if we it's, all killed each other, that would actually do well. It would be fine. Right. And that's why, like, the scene, right? Like, the scene where she's like, I can't be out here with my breast hanging out. And he's like, why? They've seen you naked. It's different. Right, the the safety and security of them being behind that that and that being the two of them, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what's happening on the outside to her. It's really fascinating, but the thing that like really then shows her how he's feeling different is at one point he pulls the covers up over them. Right, he doesn't want anyone to see. Well, it's the first time she gives him. A blowjob. Blow, he, she, it's his birthday. Yeah. And he's, like, calculated it, and he says, I think it's my birthday. And she's like, well, let me give you a birthday present. Yeah. And it feels special. Yeah. And, like, he protects, he he doesn't, like, that's his. Right. Right. Well, and it's not that the first time she's ever done this, because he says, they've seen you with, I mean, I think if I order this right, yeah. Right? Like, they've done everything there is to do. Like, it's what they're doing to keep busy. But this is different. This is it's different. It's birthday. Yeah. So the emotional impact. I mean, if you think about that, right? Like, just, like, the fact that, like, there is a gift she can give him in this place. Yeah. This is tenderness, right? But, which makes sense, because when we come to the end of the book and sort of the crisis point at the end of the book, like, there is a sort of sense that, Nothing that he has, he really believes over the course of all the sex in the hold, he believes that he is taking and not being given. Yeah. So they escape, and they escape through a... Romance reasons. It's a romance escape. It's fine. You know, the, you know, they, of course, get taken up for their wellness checks, and that's the start, and then it goes on from there, and it's very exciting. Anyway, so they escape, and it's actually, she doesn't spend too much time. It's, like, a very quick, like, perfunctory. Yeah. The the romance machine is an explosive device. Something happens. There's a distraction. Hall, you know, mind, these are not the droids you are looking for, (laughs) you know, the the group of people. And then, like, boom, they're out in a spaceship and, like, escape the planet. Yeah. 
when they get to the nearest planet to, and they like have to find new clothes, they have to get money. They like, I mean, Hall is a really great plot device. Like yes. he can get it's them so everything perfect. they want, right? Yeah. It's perfect. It's Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? They're out now and he's leaving and he knocks on their door in the morning and there's like this great moment when they're out the night the night that they're out and they shower. Yes. And then they don't know what to do. Yeah. And right. so they don't have sex that night. Yeah. I think they're both scared, right? She's like, what are we? Is this speed? Is this like, you, you know, we're taking relationships to begin under intense circumstances never last. Right. And we're like, what is this? Is this real? We're out now. Right. Exactly. And she wants, like, she loves him. Like, yeah. she, she loves love him. him. And, but she, he's still a cipher and he's still in his head about something. But we don't know he's in his head about something. We just know he's in his head. Right. Because right? he's always been in his head. There's nothing different about him tonight. Hall knocks on the door in the morning while Kane is in the shower and he says, I'm out. I found a girl. Yeah. I'm going to my book. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I'm going to my book. I'm busy. <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> so, um, so Hall's out and he said, but right before he leaves, he says, tell him he has nothing to feel guilty for. Mm, yeah. And she's like, what? And he's like, just trust me. Tell him he has nothing to feel guilty for. And then he comes out of the shower, and they decide, and he basically is like, I'll take you wherever you want to go. Kane is like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And she's like, I want to go with you. Like, just invite yeah, me to go with you. I want to be with you. And they finally have the conversation that's like, what did he do? Yeah. Why was he there? Who was he before? Mm-hmm. Is he married? Yeah, right. So many questions, question, like, right? That never – they never talked about the world before because in the whole there couldn't possibly be a world before. I mean, it makes right. sense, right? Right. You can't talk about what you did before, about the world that is outside, or you'll you'll yeah. make yourself crazy. Sick. Yeah, right. Like, literally, you will lose your mind. Yeah. And um, And Hall says that at some point. He's like, if I don't go with you – I'm going to have to kill myself because yeah. there's no I can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so he's like I have a ranch. I have a ranch on this planet like out in the middle of nowhere at the edge of the universe. And you know, it comes his like reason why there's like a little like glitch of a moment where it becomes like there's a little bit of like sex worker, you know, Mm, it's not like perfect, the sex worker rep in this book, but it was 19, it was 2015. I will, it's funny because I flagged that too. When she calls, yeah. Or like why he was there in the first place. Yeah, like he lives out alone on a ranch and like every once in a while he, you know, he's just a man. Yeah, I just gotta go (laughs) fulfill my man. Go find a brothel and like, or no, not a brothel. He would go and just like find a woman, find some women and like, you know, get it out of his system. And he, like, slept with the wrong woman. And I was like, wait, are you for five? And then I was like, well, this is pure patriarchy, I mean, right? I whatever. was like, this woman did me wrong, and yeah. I ended up on the prison planet. And, and I was- the language kind of used oh, around yes. that experience in that woman is kind of old school romance language, which, fine. So I just want to flag that. But the yeah. – so – and that's why he was sent to 
the prison plan, I mean, this is what we're talking about, these sort of, like, really minor infractions. Right. Um, well, her husband was, like, a coalition guy or something. You know, he basically, yeah. she was the wrong woman because she was married her to husband. Her. Yeah, her husband had the means to send him there just yeah. to fuck with him. Um, so off they, they, so, and so he says in that moment, like, I, you don't belong to me. Like, everything we have done mm-hmm. from the beginning of this has felt, like, transactional in some way. Or rather, not felt. But in his mind, he cares right. about her. He wanted her. He loves her. He, you yeah. know, wants to keep her with him forever. Or, like, you know, be her partner forever. But he can absolutely see how the whole relationship might just be transactional. Right. And she, of course, is like, no, I love you. What? Like, short of that very first time, which, yes, does feel transactional. Right. I have always wanted this. Like, I've always yeah. wanted you. Um, And they have to talk it out. And I thought, I kept thinking about, like, misunderstandings here. Because, like, this is why when people are like, you can't build a romance on a misunderstanding. Like, yes, you can. <laughs> because... This is a great we example. We misunderstand each other all the time. Yeah. And it's very believable. I mean, that's the thing that's a kind of amazing about this book is the patriarchy has this man by the throat because that's the way he's raised. And then, like, the, the work of the book is him, like, undoing that learning and becoming mm-hmm. someone who is like, I love you. I have feelings. I can talk about my feelings. That's what this book is. But, like, yeah. At 11,000 the yep. entire time. I kept thinking that this is one of those books, you know, we've been talking on the podcast and off the podcast and everywhere all over about romance on TikTok, right? And what the books are that are really selling and what the books are that are really, like, landing on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I was in Los Angeles and I, you know, was having a conversation with Christopher Rice, who was on a, uh, our podcast, right. you know, a few weeks ago about just like what is popular and what, what the books are that like are popular now, but also the books that have been popular over the last 40 years. And I don't just mean like, oh, a lot of people like that book. I mean like right. juggernauts. The juggernauts. Books, right? I mean yeah. Colleen Hoover. I mean Fifty Shades. I mean Dan Brown. I mean, yeah. you know, these kind of huge, huge books. Twilight. Gone Girl. Gone Girl. That's a great one. Right? Girl on the Train, the next. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like these kind of big, big Big books. books that come out of nowhere that everybody reads. Yeah. And I think now what we're seeing on TikTok, this, like, kind of what the, what the, the big books on TikTok are all, they all have a similar thread, which is none of them are soft. Yeah. And they are all hard in a different way, right? Like, so Colleen Hoover, is, it's about trauma, right? It's about an abusive relationship. You know, Dan Brown takes a big swing at the Catholic Church and the Da Vinci yeah. Code, right? right? Like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is about a vigilante. Yeah. Fifty Shades, like, sort of took sex and, like, blew yeah. it wide, like, took kink and blew it wide open, good or bad. And this book seems to be... Doing this kind this is another sort of example of, like, a very, like you said, not soft at all. Right. But, like, the world of this book is not soft. Yes. Right? This is a gritty, unpleasant yeah. world that these two people have found each other in. And 
what I'm getting at here is twofold, I guess. Like one, I'm getting at like, I just happen to have like been thinking a lot about these juggernaut books and how they're the opposite of so much else that we're seeing in romance right now. Mm-hmm. But also, how has TikTok not found hold? <laughs> I don't know. And I also have been thinking about, I think her name is Emma on TikTok, who does all these, aboli- like always likes to talk about abolition abolition. Yeah. In romance, and she's a particularly historical reader. Like, I think she reads, like, 98% historicals. Mm -hmm. But, like, I want her to read Hold. Yeah. Right? Like, so I feel like, yeah, if you're out there and you're on TikTok and you're listening to us, like, Hold feels like it's a good TikTok book in the sense that it's, like, doing a lot of, like, messy shit. Yeah. But also, like, not soft. No. You people out there on TikTok want this book. This book looms so large in my brain, like you. Like, I read it and it rewired me. Mm-hmm. Because um, it so does it's, teach. It's, yeah. You never imagined a romance like this. I mean, I and it's like one of those we've talked about, too, like those romances where you're like, I can remember what I was thinking as yeah, I was where reading you it. Were. Right, I remember. And I remember kind of being like, how? How are you going to pull this off? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, li- like, I really would like to know how you're going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing about romance, right? Where we sort of say, like, yeah, the HEA is guaranteed, but it's like the journey. And this is like one of those books where, and I would like to be very clear, it's part of it is the prison planet that makes you think, how are you going to pull this off? But how are they going to get out? How are they going to get out? But I think a really big part of it, too, is, like, how are you going to get out when if you you started your relationship under these circumstances, right? Like, how? Mm-hmm. How do you get out? That's really interesting, Jen, because I was reading, like I said this morning, I was reading Release, which is Hall's yeah. book, which is a very different kind of book, um, obviously. I mean, yeah. like, it's not on a prison planet, right. spoiler. There is a reference to Rihanna and Kane being very happy mm-hmm. on an, on their planet, on their ranch, in in Hall's book. And I got to say, usually I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. I was really thirsty for that. Yeah. When we got there, I was like, oh, that's a relief. Yeah. Right? Because. Right. For that reason. Yeah. Can it be happily ever after if this is the world that you have built? Yeah. Right. Your relationship in. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think, an ongoing question about the HEA is, you know, we say all the time, like, like yes, I want, like, sort of a perfect world, but, like, if you're looking backwards, I mean, this is, like, one of the most common complaints. We get, like, bigoted people, I guess, looking back and being like, well, how could you be happy if, like, you were living in this world where queer people couldn't have, you know, like, be free or whatever, like, Happiness finds a way. I think you have mm-hmm. to believe that to be a romance reader. Hope yes. finds a way. And I think it's one of the reasons I keep reading romance as we head into what feels like a stormy time, right? What feels like a dark future mm-hmm. is you have to believe that, like, the world would be happy. Many of our billionaire overlords would be happy to have us be animals in the hold, right? But yeah. But you don't have to live that way. You don't right. have to be what they want you to be. You don't have to be what they make you. 
And that's why I find books like this, right? And and again, like that whole, I mean, I know some dark romance readers find solace in that, like, right, like looking at the worst of humanity. For me, this book hits that sweet spot of the world is dark, but the people in it, these don't two have don't have to be. That's no. not how you have to survive it by yes. giving into it. And they choose it, yeah. right? Humanity, I was thinking as I was reading it, like, Retaining humanity is an action. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you are not born he- with humanity. You are it is learned. Yeah. And then it is every day a new choice. I don't know if I made that that transition clear back in the, you know, when I was like, let's talk about sex down because of something Hall, something Hall says to them, to her is there's something about your relationship we can all see. There's like a human connection there. Yes, and right. He's back in his in his book too. At some point, he tells the hero, the heroine, Hall tells the heroine of his book. Yeah. When I was on the prison planet, I saw love. Yeah. And I saw what it could be, and I want it for myself. And that's the thing that I think is so amazing about like the way sex works in this book is he can see that when they are having sex. It's it's love, right? He can see the emotional connection, the intimacy. And that's the thing. Like, it just feels like, you know, they can't take that away from me. It has that vibe, right? Like, they're building something, the two of them together, inside this little locked cell that was never supposed to thrive in these circumstances. Boy, if forced proximity turned to oh. 11. And a really great read. A great read, one sitting read. I mean, it takes no time. Yeah. And it's really fascinating how she puts that world together. I've, I've read all of Claire's books. I've read many of the Noelle Adams books. I still think this is, like, yeah. the best of them. She's a great writer, but this book is doing – it's operating on so many different levels. I think it's also, like, a real masterclass in the form of the novella. Mm. Meaning, like – it knows that it has to be short. Like, there is no patience, right? Like, if you've put them in a world where there's nothing to do, you can't linger there. And I feel like there is a way in which sometimes you see people, and no shame if you are KU writer, you're getting paid by the page. Of course, books are right, trending longer. But this is a book that really knows the story it's telling mm-hmm. has to be wound so tight. There's no flab anywhere here. Well, it's Caroline Linden, who I think writes some of the best novellas out there. She often talks about the fact that novellas are her favorite because when you're writing them, you just leave out all the boring parts. (laughs) Right. There's that sort of, well, you have to leave out all the boring parts in a novel too, but like sometimes you can't. Like sometimes a thing needs to happen and it's not as exciting as all the other stuff in the book. Right, right. But in a novella... Everything can be, all the boring bits can be elided. And that's what happens here. And you can, I mean, and so basically the chapters, I think it's five long chapters and an epilogue. And it's basically like, she'd been there two months now. And we we understand, like, nothing has changed. There's nothing you need to report. You don't have to know. Because we know what those days look like. And it's really interesting how, you know, this this book could not have been longer. And I think that's true of the Ruby Dixon books too, right? Like I think there's a reason that a lot of these books that are um, 
like Ice Planet Barbarians are 100, 150 pages. Like, mm-hmm. that's the length they need to be to do this work. Yeah. If you enjoy prison planets and want to experience more of them, you can always go to Emmy Chandler, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who has a whole series that I really enjoy that yeah. is um, much more active yes. than hold. Like, those books, the characters have to actually, like, survive. I mean, they have to survive here, too, but they have to, like, run and jump and climb trees to survive in those books. Um and those, I would say, are the closest read-alikes that I can think of to this, this yeah. vibe. To me, the other read-alike for this is Lolita Lopez um, has a series called a series called Grabbed, and the premise of the series is that like the people who are um, essentially like in prison, like the wrongdoers have to like run through like the forest. And then like, there's a group of people after them. And if you get grabbed, you're essentially like sent off with that person. So it's like a, like a, not a fun run, like essentially you're out running. And if you get caught, you get caught. That's like your punishment. And that is another series that has that. And I think what it has is in similar to hold is that sense of there's no justice. It's, Right? It's just pure terror and, Mm -hmm. like, bad luck. And that's how you get caught and sent to where you get sent. So that's Mm -hmm. another series that I think has – it's a different vibe, but, like, a similar enough that if you like this one, that's where you could go next. Wowzer. We don't always talk about prison planet romances, but when we do, (laughs) we know what to deliver. Everyone, this is Fade Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. You can find us on Twitter for now at Faded Mates and on Instagram for now at Faded Mates Pod. Uh, you can always find us at FadedMates.net and every Wednesday in your ear holes. Tell your friends if you know people who love romance novels. Um, also, I just want to say I was in Los Angeles last week. Uh, and I did a signing at the Ribbottis, and a bunch of people came up to me to talk to me about how they really loved the podcast, and they had come to it during the pandemic, and they were really very kind, Jen, and said thank you, and I said to all of them what I'm going to say to all of you, which is... Uh, you, whatever you feel like we have given you over the last two years, you have given it back to us tenfold. Um, I don't know where we would be right now if not for this every week. So thanks for coming and saying hi always. Um, thanks to our sponsors this week, Lumi Labs and the Meet Cute Bookshop in San Diego. So if you are looking for another romance bookstore to visit and you are down in San Diego, I will be visiting around Christmas. Um, You should check it out. The best way to support us is to support our sponsors.